This old-time radio program was originally aired live, long before the advent of high fidelity. As a result, you may detect an occasional surface noise or volume drop due to transmission problems so common to old radio. Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Kill her, Mommy. Kill her. Michael Myers is the most dangerous patient I have ever observed. Tomorrow night's the full moon. You're gonna change. Death by stereo. Here's Johnny. They're here. Welcome to Living in the 80s. This week's podcast was recorded on Zoom. So you may hear an occasional glitch or two in the audio, but please don't let that take away from what is a very good podcast. Thank you, and enjoy. Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s. I am Rob, your host. With me, as usual, typical, is Matt. And then we've got a longtime um, uh, listener and several-time co-host, Big J, is joining us. And David (laughs) Martinez is also joining us, all the way from Texas. Lone Star State, baby. All right, man. It's good to have you guys. And and before we get started, uh, I wanted to thank you guys all for listening. Uh, there's several outlets you can hear living in the 80s, whether it is uh, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes. Um, you can hear us on Amazon Music. Uh, we're now on TuneIn Radio. And there's about a dozen others that you can find the Living in the 80s podcast. And uh, we want to thank our friends over at star107.9.com who simulcast our podcast every Saturday morning. And uh, coming the first of the year, we're going to be doing our own Living in the 80s countdown show. So good stuff. And I I would be remiss if I didn't put a plug in for the Chewing the Fat podcast the Big J hosts uh, weekly, and uh, Matt and I, if you guys heard a couple weeks ago, were part of the magic there in his multi-million dollar studio that puts our, <laughs> puts our laptop and microphone to shame, but uh, we had a great time there, and it's good to have him here. So yeah, are thank you, you. Are you guys all geared up and ready to go? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I've, so, uh, I've got my notes, and uh, I'm ready to go, so... Oh, good. Jason has notes. Wait a minute. What? what? Jason has notes? Jason spends a lot of his spare time, and probably a lot of his time he should be working on notes and yeah. Googling and fact-finding. So if, if research. Got, research is research. what I like to do. got some research, yes. But uh, we're here to talk. It is the season because it is Halloween time. Yeah, baby. And. Ooh. You, we are dropping this podcast a day early. We usually drop it on uh, a Saturday, but this year we're going to do it on a Friday, October 30th, so that we can uh, get, maximize our Halloween audience and scare right. you a little bit earlier. Mm. So we, we are talking all about our favorite horror flicks of the 80s. And uh, the, um, the different, uh, the horror genre, 
began long, long ago. Part of the, the first movies ever filmed were, um, were all about, um, they were horror movies. And from the dawn of time, whether it's ghost stories around the campfire or local tales of whatever, um, we have uh, always tried to scare each other. When you're at home, you know, you've, you've tried to scare your brothers and sisters, your mom and dad. You just try to scare people. Like uh, my stepson is extremely uh, scared to death of his own shadow. Not literally, but he's very easy to spook. Like <laughs> I could be in front of him and just, and he just oh, he jumps like he's going crazy. So uh, it, that's, that's funny for me. But when it comes to movies, like we pay money to go to the movie theater to be scared. And uh, that is a lot, a lot of fun. Just that, that rush, because just that one emotion that we don't feel, most of us don't feel every day. Like we laugh every day. Some days we have sorrow or confusion or angst, but not every day do we get scared. We pay good money to do it. Haunted houses are big right now. Well, maybe not this year but on a typical year. So with all of that being said, we did a poll on the Living in the 80s Facebook page, which I hopefully you guys are all part of. If you're not, go to Facebook, look up Living in the 80s, and you can find us. Uh, and just go in and request to become a member. We'll accept you, and that will be that. So uh, we're going to go through a, the top 10 list of our poll of what your favorite uh, – scary movies were of the 80s and um let's start off with uh number 10. number 10. so number 10 is gremlins gremlins mm. gremlins now really this i'll be honest with you i have never actually watched this movie all the way through are you serious it just kind of seems kind of dumb to me Okay. So, I mean, that's just me. You know, this one guy, I see these furry little E.T. looking creatures or Yoda looking mogwai. whatever. It's Gizmo the Mogwai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Mogwai. So, uh, so, so that's why we brought Jason and David along. Me and Matt are just like supporting cast tonight. But um, talk to us about Gremlins. Give us the plot. Um, why is it scary? What are your favorite memories? Uh, go ahead, Dave. I'll let you lead that off. Gremlins has probably been in uh, probably like top 10, my favorite childhood movies. I always watch it every Christmas. I guess I could watch it around Halloween. Little creatures invading a town and you don't know, you don't know where Gizmo came from. They kind of spawned off of Gizmo you know, was raised by this old Chinese man that had his antiquities shop. Uh, actually, when they're... Miyagi. No, not Miyagi. Not Mr. Miyagi. No. No. A little bit, little bit older. It's got that long beard. <laughs> kind of looks like a Chinese Gandalf. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Looks, looks, like, looks like Lopan from the... Uh, uh, um, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Got it. Got it. I like that movie. Okay. What, uh, one of the things that like, it still kind of creeps me out to this day is just when they're busting out of the cocoons, you know, in the movie, it kind of reminds you, takes you back to uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Okay. 
So good scares, but it's more uh, campy horror to me. Okay. But like a popcorn movie, so okay. to speak. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I really wouldn't classify it as a horror movie because there yeah. is there are some jump scares and there is some scary scenes in it. But um, this is actually a Steven Spielberg film. And um, yes, the the concept of it comes actually from World War Two when uh, the bombardiers would have all of these issues that would just go wrong in the planes for no reason. And they would say that there were these little creatures called gremlins that would actually cause the, the havoc on the planes. And uh, it's actually mentioned uh, in a quick little bit uh, in the movie to kind of give it some a point of reference. But the idea is that Gizmo is a mugwai, and there's three rules for the mugwai, and that is Ooh, don't feed him after midnight and yep. don't get him wet, and uh, don't expose him to sunlight. So those are the three rules. And if he gets wet, if a if a mugwai gets wet then he actually spawns the uh, the actual gremlins, which are the green lizard creature creatures. It's like the evil side of the mogwai comes to life, and that's where the gremlins come from. There was a main bad one, a stripe or something like that? Stripe. He had a, he had a white mohawk. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So what's funny is, is, is we, you know, I've seen this, uh, you know, several times back then, but uh, just this past summer at the South High Drive-In, they were trying to get people out during the, the COVID stuff, and they showed um, Goonies and Gremlins at the drive-in this past summer. We went and watched it, and uh, I, you know, I I was excited for Grace to see it. You know, I got a eleven-year-old girl, and, and I was saying, "Oh, this is Gremlins! You're gonna love this." She flipped. <laughs> what? What is what? Is, what's going on? I mean, she flipped. Yeah. We did not stay for the whole movie. I'm going, I don't remember it being so scary. <laughs> yeah, it's but, it's uh, scary for kids, but it's fun for adults. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Yeah. Right. Nice. Grace is not a fan. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So anything else on Gremlins before we move on? Uh, nothing that I can think of. Uh, we actually have a cat named Gizmo because she's she's white and has the gray spots just like Gizmo in the movie. Nice. Don't feed her after midnight, Jay. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Giving her a bath is almost like unleashing a gremlin. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. <clears throat> All right. So number 10 was gremlins. Number nine. Number nine. Fright night. Fright night. So I remember that. Classic. Yeah. One of the best, absolute best. Go for it, Dave. Tell us, tell us why Fright Night is one of the best. It's got. Uh, first, first, start off with give, give us give us the plot, and then uh, go go for it. The plot of Fright Night: This uh, young high school kid, Charlie Brewster. Um. Dropping names. He has. Yeah, we do uh, that here. He sees his neighbor <laughs> suspect them of being vampires because it's like, well, or he doesn't know that at first, like what's going on. And then he enlists the help of a gentleman who has a TV show where he hunts vampires. Peter Vincent, played by the great Roddy McDowell, Planet of the Apes. And he enlists his help. And, you know, nobody's really believing him. His mom just thinks he's nuts. His friends think he's nuts. And 
It's an all-around great popcorn flick. It's campy, but it's got some good scares in it. Good vampire special effects. Uh, the awesome Chris Sarandon playing uh-huh. Jerry Dandridge. Yep. Very good stuff. Good scares. Yeah, people them. people would know Chris Sarandon as Prince Humperdinck from Princess Bride. Yes, sir. Oh, nice. Yes. yes yeah. yes. Isn't it cool having um, experts as part of your podcast? I, yeah, I feel smart. Just I, I, I do so little work <laughs> watching you guys go at it. This is wonderful. These are great. Um, if anybody has ever seen uh, Monster Squad or grew up watching Monster Squad, I would say Fright Night would be kind of like the the older teen version of Monster Squad. You know, it's yeah. not as it's not as campy, but it's just as fun. Nice. You know, I, are you kind of getting the vibe here that like Jason and David were maybe separated at birth? I think so. Like, like you guys are like on the, the same wavelength. You guys should do your own podcast together. Like, stuff. you know, like minds. You know, Dave is more than welcome to move to Ohio, and we could get that done. You know, I'm down. Dave, we keep trying to get you to move up here, man. You, you, you know, you, you'll have friends. We'll hook you up with. A, I'm, between all of us, we'll we'll find you a good woman up, up here. So, so you just come on up, buddy. Work it or up guy. To it, man. It's the 21st century, you know. Yeah, or guy, yeah. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, <laughs> there's anything wrong with that. But, uh, I know I won't have judgment from you guys. Okay. Anything else on Fright Night? Go check it out. Go check it out. Yes. Yeah, it's a good popcorn movie. It's a Halloween Central. It's a Halloween Central. I remember seeing it probably when it was out. So I've seen it several years ago. I may have seen it once, maybe twice since. So my, my memory of it is not real fresh, but I do remember really liking it. I remember it being a good movie. So no, no, these movies that we're going through, um, if you guys know where we could see them, like if you know if they're streaming on Netflix or prime video or, or, Actually, if you uh, if you Google any of these titles, it'll tell you what platform you can watch them on. Where to find them? Okay. What, what they're available on? Yeah. So you're saying you have to research and do, do homework. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, yeah. You know, just type Fright Night in the search bar, and you'll have your answer. Okay. Actually, actually, there is an app called Just Watch. So if you go to Just Watch, it lets you plug in all of the streaming services you currently have, and if you put a movie in, it'll tell you which of these streaming services have it at the top and the bottom will say you don't have these services but it's available here 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 and here see that so it's called just wow. watch so that's that's awesome rob that's i didn't crazy. realize you got another sponsor yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's one more than you have <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh we'd like to tease each other um all right so uh number nine was uh fright night number eight Number eight, American Werewolf in London. This was, I remember uh, this being out, and um, Warren Zevon did the soundtrack, uh, Werewolf in London. And uh, that was a, that's my biggest memory. I mean, David Naughton was in it. He played the werewolf. But that's about all I remember. What do you guys got? Uh, I would say American Werewolf in London um, turned werewolf movies over on its ear. The special effects were groundbreaking. 
and uh, legendary, uh, and the name is escaping me right now as to who did the special effects, but um, they were a career making legendary special effects and werewolf movies haven't been the same since, or pretty much any kind of horror movie. He, he really defined the genre. Rick right. Baker? Would that have been Rick yeah. Baker? Yeah, it was. Yeah. The fact you guys know this is amazing. This is crazy. <laughs> I, 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 know, I know the same guy that directed, the same guy that did the Michael Jackson thriller video. That yeah. I, yes. Yep. And I, I believe Rick Baker helped with the, the werewolf changing scene in that video as well. <clears throat> Which is very, very well done. Very well done. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, now, I mean, for what they had to work with back then, you're talking about the 1980s. This wasn't the era of CGI and computers right. just being able to do anything. This was practical, hands-on special effects and to still frames and yeah, to elongate, yeah, elongate hands and to turn somebody's face into a dog face. I mean, that was that was cutting edge. You know, that, that was almost like the the Star Wars of horror movies as far as special sure. effects were concerned. Sure, nice, Dave. What that do you movie then I was going to say that movie probably had the creepiest werewolf transformation scene in werewolf uh, horror films. <laughs> yes. I think world transformation. It's awesome. Scene. It's awesome. Yeah. You you could almost feel how painful it was. Yeah. To transform. That burning and he was just like on fire as he was changing. It was just. Ugh. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and you know what? And, and, and in all honesty, I don't know if I have ever actually seen this movie. They, like I that. did say that uh, while the, the the movie has a lot of gore and scary scenes, it also has a lot of gorgeous shots of London. They said so it, it kind of inspired you to go see the city of London uh, just by the way it was filmed. So all like those double decker buses and all that uh, subways. Pretty cool yep. stuff. Yeah. Big Ben. Parliament. <laughs> You're being vacation. Look at that. Yeah. I caught that. Nice. All right. So that brings us up to um, that's it for number number nine was American Werewolf in London. No. Number yeah. eight. That was eight. Yeah. yeah that was eight. eight. That okay. Was eight. Okay. So that means that we need to get to number seven. That's right. Number seven. And number seven is Pet Cemetery. Stephen King. Which one? Uh, which, which one what? Which, which one? They just released a remake like a couple of years ago. Well, that wouldn't we're, not, we're not going to discuss the remake. An, an 80s movie, now would it, Jason? Oh, the 80s. You're right. You're right. I forgot where I was. I'm sorry. That's right. You're, you're in members-only studios right now. <laughs> yes. Live via satellite. Yes. It's, it's uh, weird that I'm in members-only studios because I'm actually in Man Scout studio. You know, nice. doing a, nice. a virtual what recording. There. And, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So, uh, talk to us about Pet Cemetery, because I remember seeing it long time ago. Don't remember much except for these animals it's, coming to life. It sounds like that squirrel that David was talking about should <laughs> should be going to the Pet Cemetery. <laughs> oh, wow. I actually. One thing I wanted to bring up about Pet Cemetery as a work of Stephen King, pretty much in the 80s, if you were going to the movies or just watching at home, a horror movie during that time, you were actually watching Jason, Freddy, or a Stephen King movie. Mm -hmm. yep. It was a pretty big blast of Stephen King movies in that era, so that would have yeah. been one of the greatest 
Yes. One of the greatest adaptations of his. Yeah, I, I think I think the Pet Cemetery was probably Stephen King's best uh, horror movies. I know we'll probably get into a couple more, but mm -hmm. I think Pet Cemetery was the best. And the idea idea behind Pet Cemetery was that um, it was a family just moved to a house, and there was a cemetery that the locals had buried their animals on until they realized that the animals were coming back to life because it was an Indian burial ground. And it was, so these animals were coming back and they were kind of like possessed. And they had a young child, you know, spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, they, they had a young child who got, who got hit by a car out front of their place and the father, desperate to have his son back, buried him in the pet cemetery. And the kid came back and was psychotic and started killing people and that kind of thing. So that was the basic idea behind Pet Cemetery. It wasn't really about resurrected animals. It was about a resurrected demon child. But did, didn't the animals kind of come to life too, though? Well, the, just just the, the cat. The cat was first, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they had a, a cat got hit by a car, by a truck also, because apparently their property was like right on a, a main like state route and big dump trucks drove through there at 80 miles an hour all the time. So okay. they did the cat first, and that's when he realized, you know, what the cemetery does. So it's so, kind of so, one of those horror movies too. It makes you think what I do that with my animal, maybe yeah. not. <laughs> or my son, you know, like how, yeah. how out of my mind would I be if, if my son got killed and, or my child or daughter, whatever got killed, you know, would I take that step to, you know, promise to bring uh, them back. Have one last time moment with them. <laughs> yeah. I like some of the taglines. The tagline for this movie is "Sometimes dead is better." <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good yeah. little line right there. Sometimes it is, yes. Yeah. And uh, I believe Pet Cemetery is actually one of the few movies that um, her name is slipping the top star on Star Trek: The Next Generation that uh, she was in. The actress. Yeah, the actress. Denise Crosby. Denise Crosby. Yeah, it's one of the one of the, she only did a handful of movies. Pet Cemetery is probably the more popular one. Uh, Enforcers was one that she was in that was always a childhood favorite of mine, but that wasn't a horror movie, so we won't get into that. So nice, good stuff. All right, so that was number um, seven. seven. Number six. So number six. This is where I can start talking a little bit intelligently here. Um, my one of my very favorite horror movies of the 80s was Christine. Uh, I remember seeing this. I took a date to see this movie. And horror movies are great with dates because they really want to be close to you. So uh, I, I really enjoyed that part of the date, if I remember correctly. But uh, so basically the synopsis, this, uh, this, this nerdy kid, his name's Arnie, and he... Uh, buys a an old hoopty car. It's a I think it's a '54 Plymouth Fury, and he uh, he sees he sees potential in it. His friend sees it as junk, so he starts putting all this effort and energy into trying to restore this car to its original condition. Uh, what ends up happening is the car uh, is alive. What? It is possessed, mm -hmm. and it very much is jealous of anybody in Arnie's life. 
discuss amongst yourselves. Well, <laughs> that would make date night complicated, especially <clears throat> to a drive-in. <laughs> yes, it would be. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on it? Go ahead, Dave. Uh, go ahead, Jake. I'm uh, okay. still kind of. I've seen it like a few times, sadly. So I'm. Yeah, I, it's this is not a movie I was really impressed or even scared with. Um, Stephen King, as I said, we're going to be talking a lot about a lot of his movies, I'm sure. But Stephen King basically has two tropes in his in his wheelhouse. He either does uh, supernatural, paranormal, or he does common things come out to kill you. Mm-hmm. And I think Christine is one of them. You know, where a car comes to life and kills people. Uh, maximum Overdrive. Um, it from Stephen King was a giant intergalactic spider. I mean, those kind of things I actually find disappointing, and it's not really a, a concept that I'm impressed with whatsoever. So, I, I don't really have much good to say about Christine, actually. That's so sad. Yeah, that is sad. <laughs> Dave, you got anything to contribute here? Jay's like With- a little underwhelmed at the flick. With uh, Christine, I think that, honestly, I guess it can be terrifying in the sense that the car's possessed, and if you're inside of the car, you're, pardon my language, you're screwed. You're trapped inside of that car. You really have no escape out of it. So that's pretty, it's terrifying. But you would think possessed car, it's kind of silly, but it's got a few kind of good scares from what yeah. I remember from the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I I recall when I I saw it again with you guys. You know, you got to um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to suspend belief just a little bit. Uh, seeing this car like hit somebody or get in a wreck, and you see the bumper try to goes back and reforms to original condition again. Uh, like it, the radio turns on itself, and finally, spoiler alert: at the end of the movie, they destroy this car. It's in the junkyard and it's like crumbled and crushed. And then as they're fading out of the frame, the radio comes on. Or maybe fading in, I can't remember. Yeah, so very nice. But yeah, that's 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 my uh, that's my contribution to uh that part of this this podcast. And and, and I like I like I like the ending, like the last scene of like every horror film in the eighties because I mean they always left open, there's going to be a sequel. There's going to be a two or three or 27 and a 28, whatever. And so like that last scene, there's always that little glimpse that it ain't over. It ain't over. <laughs> you don't know yes. what, but it ain't over. Which is kind of cool. That is, that is, that is very true. And you know, sometimes there, there isn't a, another, a sequel because it was just that bad. Right. And sometimes they're that bad, and there are sequels, <laughs> so which is really and they rough. still make a sequel. Yeah, that's right. So, well, you know, and uh, any anybody in Hollywood will tell you that um, the cheapest movies to make are horror movies, which is why they churn them out so so often and so quickly is because um, it's they could you know throw a couple of million dollars budget, make a horror movie, and quadruple their money easily. Oh yeah, you put a bunch of teenagers so, in the woods. Yeah, camera roll, <laughs> take blood, boom, make millions. So absolutely, All the right. blind cheerleader, the high school jock, the nerdy kid who gets the cheerleader at the end of the movie. <laughs> so, yeah. so just think like like if Jason Voorhees was in the Breakfast Club, 
chasing them through the halls. It's not Mr. Vernon. Mm. Would have been a whole different movie. Whole different movie. Yeah. 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 Nice. yeah that would have been Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> I remember Cabin in the Woods. That's good. Good stuff. Yep. All right. So that was 10 through 6. Am I correct? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I don't, ask, ask your producer, Matt. Where, where's he at? Uh, yeah, that was number six, Rob. Thank you for thanks, <laughs> thanks, Matt. All right, we're gonna take a brief timeout, and then we're gonna be right back with the top five. Number five, and number five, Friday the thirteenth. This is my personal favorite it's now, your jam baby it is my jam now before i say all of that i will go on records as saying the first three or four friday the 13th movies are my jam after that they got sillier and campier and dumb and jason's a cyborg and whatever else happens but uh my my for those of you who have never seen friday the 13th which there's maybe one person out there for for that one person, uh, Friday the 13th takes place at Camp Crystal Lake, which is located in New Jersey. And uh, what happens is uh, 30 years before, 20 years, yeah, 20, 30 years before, in the 50s. So it would have been 20 some years before. Um, some, uh, a, a kid had drowned uh, while at summer camp. And the counselors, it was late at night, the counselors were out, you know, doing their, their evening stuff, kumbaya, drinking a little beer, doing whatever. And Devil's it, tango. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so the kid dies. And throughout the first Friday the 13th film, uh, they're, they're reopening the camp. It's now 1980. And uh, the, the staff are there before the kids are arriving. So they're there, you know, doing any repairs, fixing up, getting their training and so forth. And... Uh, one stormy night, they one by one start to to die, and then um, spoiler alert: it's Jason's mom. What? Yes. And what a twist! Yes. Oh, what a twist! <laughs> and and then uh, at the end of that movie, um, we see Jason come up out of the lake, and then so part two, you know, after Jason's mom dies in the first one. He's now taken on the family tradition of killing. So I mean, and that's just good, good son being a good son. That's right. Got to defend his mother's honor, right. and that's what he's doing. Right. So uh, again, this this kind of sets up the formula for lots and lots of these movies in the eighties, whether they were uh, ripoffs of the same thing. So basically, there is a killer that hunts down teenagers and kills them. Yeah. Pretty accurate. I, I like the uh, Friday the Thirteenth, Twenty Seventh, the Twenty Sixth or Twenty Seventh one was such <laughs> such a my favorite. I just, yes, so close though. Not as good as Twenty Eighth though. Oh, Twenty Eighth yeah. one's oh, 28th great. So guys, talk to us about Friday Thirteenth. Uh, I know you guys are a little bit younger. Um, the first time I saw Friday the Thirteenth was the first time I was allowed to stay home alone by myself. I was I was fourteen, so it would have made my brother twelve. And my parents had gone out of town. They're visiting my aunt and uncle in Mansfield. So it's about an hour away from home. So they're trusting me to stay at home and watch my brother. There happened to be a thunderstorm. And Friday the 13th, part one and two was on the movie channel. What? So we turned all the lights out. 
and we're watching these movies just we're young so we not my only exposure to horror films at that point was the blob which was made in the 50s and I saw the TV version of it. So that's the scariest movie I'd seen to that point. So me and my brother are just like, oh my gosh, this is the scariest thing ever. And we were loving it. Now I look back at it like last weekend, I watched one, two, and three. I'm going, huh, I was scared of this back then. Hmm. Crazy. No, this came out in 1980. Yes. So you got to consider the, your graphics in and your, you know. Yeah. Well, some of the some of the killing effects were still pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it was more build up and less gore, which was very neat. So, all right, I've rambled on about Friday the Thirteenth. You guys, what do you got? And I don't think Friday the Thirteenth could have been any more eighties than young Kevin Bacon. Oh my gosh! Yes, there you go. nice. <laughs> Pre Footloose Kevin yep. Bacon. Post Guiding Light. Nice, nice call there, David. That yeah. Was good. <laughs> that was good. And, and honestly, he's like the only star that was in any Friday the 13th movie that I can think of. Was he in the first one? Yeah, he's the first one. Maybe. Yeah, he just got done yeah. with that girl smoking a cigarette and wow. he got it. Nice call. Yeah. I was reading up the other day that most of the people in Friday the 13th were like coming off of soap operas, so that was probably a big change for them doing this like slasher in the woods movie. <laughs> That's true. There, there was a, there was a girl in the, the second, yeah, the second one, that, like the main heroine. She also was from a soap opera that I had recognized. Um, maybe it was Guiding Light or one of those from back then. So, yeah, Jason, what do you got? Wow. <laughs> That's uh, it. Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, Obviously, a, a a very very close to my heart movie being Jason. Jason, um, <laughs> he's little Jason. Jay, you're, yeah, you're big uh, Jay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah he's he's slasher Jay. Um, but uh, I, uh, I I've I've always loved the Friday the Thirteenth movies. I love the idea of the uh, unstoppable behemoth that will that just chases after you you know you could be running and running and running and running and he's just walking and next thing you know he's right behind you you know yes. so, he's so I, think, I think his he's i think so his supernatural yeah i think his supernatural power is teleportation honestly um, i think it is I think well, him and mike myers both yeah mike, michael myers not yeah. mike not austin powers the, not my, no not michael guy. myers yes yeah. Um, now, fun fact about the movie: uh, in the first two movies, Jason had a hood over his head because, as you said, it was actually his mom, uh, and he, he just had basically a, a, um, a burlap bag, burlap sack with eyes cut out. Yeah. It wasn't until the third movie that he got his his legendary hockey mask. Um, it's, it's funny because I, I forget, you know, because it was been a few years since I saw him. So I'm watching part three last weekend. And there was there was one part where he was getting ready to kill somebody, and they go, "Is that you, Jason?" He takes a hockey mask and lifts it up. She's like, "Ah!" And he pulls it back down and starts chasing her again. <laughs> like that was awesome. I forget about how how funny that was, but yeah. yeah. So. What what I would like to know is what what was somebody at a summer camp doing with a hockey goalie mask? Uh, I don't I don't really know. <laughs> well, field hockey. Who packed it? You know, <laughs> that's that's what I want to know. That's right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, obviously there have been way too many uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies. Um, yes. uh, I ten in the actual storyline, uh, and then the uh, 
obviously leading culminating up to uh, one of the, uh, one remake, which was mediocre. I don't think it was too bad. Was it? I have to. I, I would like to see it at some point. That's um, that would be it'd be kind of neat to see just because. Well, just like the Rob Zombie's Halloween remake, I haven't seen it either. It's like one of those things. Like, I need to watch that. So. Um, here's something that I thought would be interesting if some young filmmaker would do. If if you did like a if you did a a, a big budget, and you did like a prequel to Jason, like like a reimagining of like like him as a small child like time with his mother like was she like that kind of crazy before everything happened or did the crazy happen like after i mean mm. i think that'd be kind of neat just kind of i think it's just a matter of time i mean they're they're kind of doing that now they did uh castle rock with the uh, stephen king's oh yeah castle rock which kind of gave you the and season two was basically about where annie wilkes from misery came from okay. and how mm -hmm. she how she became crazy obsessed and then uh they're doing uh ratchet right now which is about nurse ratchet from one floor of the Cougars. yes oh, yes i, I, I watched I, that. I i've seen that. the whole season it was great yeah so there that's that i'm sure a concept like that is in the works for something yeah that would be very cool. I, I would I would like to see that just to just see you know how that would work. So a good old backstory to Jason and Mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd love it. I'd love it. Yeah. Okay. So that was it. Number five was the Friday the thirteenth series. Number four. Okay. Number four is Poltergeist. Now, I'll be honest with you guys, I saw this again a long time ago. So I'm going to rely on the expertise of our panel here to talk to us about Poltergeist, tell us about the plot, why is it scary, how are the special effects, and go. Go ahead, Jay. Okay. Um, Poltergeist uh, is probably... Uh, up until The Conjuring, and in my opinion, up until the movie The Conjuring, probably one of the best uh, paranormal and um, supernatural movies that I've ever seen. Um, it's uh, it, it's a... Um, hmm. Sorry, it's still doing the clicking thing. I yeah, know. I wonder what that is. That's crazy. I don't, I don't know. Huh. Weird. So it takes place on, uh, they built a house on the Indian burial ground, correct? Yeah, they, uh, so what they did was, uh, it's, it wasn't an Indian burial ground. It was actually a uh, um, Pilgrims, Pilgrims Quakers uh, old time burial ground. Okay. And they, um, they bought the land and instead of moving the bodies like they should have, they basically just moved, re relocated the headstones and left all of the bodies behind and all the dispossessed spirits. Um, I believe Poltergeist 3 actually goes into the history of the burial sites and who the people are and how they were like a, a weird, like cult type pilgrim people. Sure. And that's where the paranormals came from. But that also uh, brought into the forefront, I think a lot of uh, your ghost hunter shows today with the, uh, the EVP that was, that became, you know, a thing where you can actually hear the spirits through static and that sort of thing. But 
through static, he says. <laughs> while there's static going on, that's great. As, as there's constant static going on as I'm talking. So yes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's um, the special effects were um, ahead of their time, for the time, and uh, I, it was really, really terrifying. I mean, honestly, even even today, it, it kind of gives me some of the spooks you know, when I watch. Really? It. Yeah, it's, which it's is saying not. something because I don't get scared easily. Yeah, you know, like your favorite holiday is Halloween. Absolutely. So someone who's, who's, who's zoned in that much probably is not going to be scared too easy. So that gives me hope of something that can like keep me on the edge of my seat, which I yeah. like, and I don't get that much lately. So I won't have to check that movie out again. Yeah, and Portal Guys always had like a just a serious creep factor about it. Just a little girl, the, that short little lady with a crazy voice. The I one mean, that was in 16 Candles? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just, it was just creepy. You know, I mean, just, right. I, I, yeah. Weird. What, what do you think, David? What's your take on it? The, uh, for the time it came out, I just, I can't recall the exact year it came out. 85, 84? 82. Around 82. that time, yeah. Yeah, 82. The effects in that time on that war what made that movie to me. All just groundbreaking for that for that time you know and i doubt they had to spend too much money on that but they made it creepy believable and a very successful great horror movie now was this Stephen king too no it was produced by steven spielberg and directed by toby hooper who directed texas chainsaw massacre gotcha very useful thank you very much Nice. Now, one one thing about Poltergeist too is before then, you know, your your creepy ghost horror stories were usually always somebody who was in a sheet, or you know, your Vincent Price movies where it was somebody trying to scare somebody else for a reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, the but this movie it it started out it starts out innocent with you know chairs sliding across the floor and you know little kind of like pranks where you're thinking oh well this is going to be you know a fun little paranormal ghost you know like a casper type situation and then it just gets it goes downhill from there and like it takes a turn tree yeah trees (laughs) are attacking kids like coming in through their window and grabbing them and like you know um the you know guys ripping their faces off and people falling into holes and being attacked by skeletons i mean it's it it really cranks up it goes from zero to 11 quick Nice. Maggots ripping out of the steak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is good to know. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check that one out because you, you've got my. When you said that, you know, you still kind of get little creeps a little bit there. That, that gives me hope that I could actually be scared at a movie still because, by and large, they just kind of don't really do a ton for me. So that that that's uh, that's good stuff. So, any other thoughts on Poltergeist? Well, I wanted to throw in Rob or Jason or Matt, if you guys, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the uh, Poltergeist trilogy supposedly had these different, like the movies were cursed. Different bad oh, things happened yes. with each of these movies, which yeah, just the makes the died. trilogy a lot more interesting. The little girl died. The uh, older sister was killed. God rest her soul after that movie. 
Mm. Uh, production assistants were killed while making the second and third movies. So, you know, there's there's still this thing about the movies being cursed. Oh, the, you're, as soon as you said that, I, I remember reading about that and seeing little, little clips about that. That's yeah, that, that even takes it to a whole new creep factor right there. Right, right exactly. That's what makes it very memorable. I'm, I'm sad to say memorable, but it just it makes them all that more creepy. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. wow. how, how old was the little girl when she died? Do we know? 13. She was 13 years old. Yeah, it was after the second one because they had a, they had a different girl for the third one. Jeez. You know. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And uh, and according to Just Watch, that's a dollar fifty I've made now. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that on Netflix. Photographs on Netflix. Yeah, I'm watching it this weekend. Oh boy. Guaranteed. Oh boy. Gay Ronteed. Nice. So, so that was good, man. Thanks for the insight on that one, guys. Uh, number four was Poltergeist. Number three. Now we are up to the big three. The three voted by you, the people, as the best horror movies of the 80s. Um, Our panel here may have voted differently, but number three would be the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Uh, Not the TV series, the series of movies. Um, Starring, um, what was his name? Uh, Robert England. Robert England as Freddy Krueger. Thank you. I was thinking England. I couldn't think of the first name. Robert England plays Freddy Krueger. Uh, I guess he was like a creepy janitor that got burned up in a furnace. Hmm. And he comes hmm. back and haunts the dream of the teenagers of the town. What, what, you're shaking your head there, Jason. What, what are you saying? Yeah, no. Uh, Freddy Krueger was actually a... Uh, he was a... He was a um, a pedophile and uh, okay i thought it was a janitor yeah. sorry <laughs> yeah and he same actually thing. he, he made he would he would kidnap children and he made his glove and he took them to an old factory and that's where he would torture and kill the kids with that infamous freddy krueger glove that he had and and uh the the family the parents found out what was going on and they cornered him in there and firebombed the place and burned him alive and killed him yes so they thought. Yeah. So they thought. Right. So now he just comes back in dreams and nightmares. Yes. Which for its time was very, like the plot was very interesting, um, innovative. That first Nightmare on Elm Street when it came out, I remember that being a, was a pretty big deal. Like, you know, we see Freddy uh, now as more of like a comedy parody, whatever. But back then, it's like he was like a scary, scary dude. But one one of the things I liked about Freddy versus like old Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Jason and Michael Myers is Freddy actually had like the funny one-liners. And like instead of walking slow and chasing you down, he would run and catch you. So he Mm -hmm. was, uh, he you know, he put a different twist on the, you know, on the serial sociopathic killing machine. And uh, I always, always appreciated that part about the movie. Uh, I saw probably the first uh, two or three sequels and then just kind of, you know, checked out after that as kind of knew how they're going to, and it's just new and creative ways to kill people at that point. Yeah. The, the nice creative twist about Freddy Krueger is the fact that number one, you can't get away from him because you have to sleep at some point. Yes. And you know, he invades your dreams and you can't get away. And two, um, it's the idea that 
he's in a dream world. So whatever he imagines can happen, mm-hmm. you know, which is more than just supernatural strength or hacking somebody with a machete or, you know, that kind of thing. It's the idea that, you know, he can be and become anything he wants because he lives in a dream world. Right. It's his world. It's his territory. You're the fair game. That's yeah. right. And you're a dream warrior, according to Dawkins. So Dawkins like <laughs> yeah. made a career out of of being part of the Nightmare on Elm Street soundtracks. So that was that, that's my biggest memory is is yeah. that. So that was a good stuff. So yeah, uh, number three. Anything else on Nightmare on Elm Street? We good? We good? You good? You good? You good? We're good. Well, I want to throw in a couple of uh, interesting tidbits about that movie. Uh, Freddy Krueger, the name, from what I understand, was a bully that targeted Wes Craven, the creator. So oh. that was the inspiration for the name. And uh, while he was he was writing, working on the movie, working on the script, whatever, he was uh, studying incidents in Asia, I believe, Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. where people were dying in their dreams. So he worked off of that for his script. Oh, wow. So that's a pretty scary concept. Yes, it is. It's nuts. Yeah. Huh. Good, 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 good stuff. Things I didn't know this morning when I woke up. Thank you, David. Good job. Yeah. And Learned now that we do every day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now that we've covered Friday the 13th and Freddy Krueger, we have to talk about Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Oh, do we have to? Yes, because it was a fantastic movie. I, was I it, was, really? it, was, it really was. It really was. It was the best I, of both worlds. I, I, I do remember seeing it and not being disappointed. Like, it is much better than I initially thought it would be. So, go yeah. ahead. Well, I think, I think the plot, just the, the basic plot, like, you're thinking, how are you going to put these two together? And so, basically, Freddy is in hell, and he's losing power because people – He's becoming a, an afterthought and people aren't remembering him. So he needs to find people to remember him so that he can live off of their fear. So he goes to hell and poses as Jason Voorhees' mom and convinces Jason Voorhees to go back to earth and start killing people on Elm Street. And then people will think that these people are dying because of Freddy Krueger and not because of Jason. Okay. So Jason goes back and starts killing people, but he's getting really, really good at it. Mm-hmm. And people are like, this isn't Freddy's MO. And they're starting to realize that it's not Freddy. So Freddy has to come back to Earth to try to stop him, stop this monster that he's unleashed. And that's that's the basic premise of the movie. Nice. And I, I thought it was a, a really a brilliant plot. Cool. You wouldn't think a horror crossover movie starring Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child would be a good movie, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That was yeah. good. That was good. Yeah, well, All right, Jay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of, of uh, you know, guest cameos, um, Johnny Depp was in the first Freddy Krueger movie. The first yes, time around Elm Street. Yes, he was. Yes. Right. I that was. That. Uh, he, yep. it, it, he's the one that got kind of like picked up and like thrown and beaten around the room, isn't he? He was, I think he was the one that got pulled into the bed and then the, and the, the volcano of blood shot out from the hole. Yes, yeah. yes, that that's right. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. Nice. Very young Johnny Depp before 21 Jump Street. Was it before? Mm hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because, yeah, you're definitely right. Because 21 Jump Street didn't come around until like the late 80s. This is 84. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Huh. Good stuff. Number two. Number two. The Lost Boys, which had one of the best soundtracks of all 80s movies. Absolutely. This was a great movie. Because <laughs> Jason was was listening to Teletubbies or something back then. I don't know what he was didn't even have them then. J- what we have determined through our interaction with Jason is, I'm sorry, with Big J, that uh, he uh, he he doesn't have good taste at all in music. Like he does not <laughs> like. There's no good song that he likes. He likes all bad songs. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Great I, I like a different track. era of music is what I like. Yeah, um, crap. <laughs> the era of crap. <laughs> okay. You're in a safe place, Jason. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, this soundtrack was great. Uh, in Excess uh, was in it. Roger Daltrey had a song in it. Uh, there was uh, uh, lots of them I can't think of right now, but it was a very, take my word, it was a very good soundtrack. Um <laughs> So basically, modern take on vampires. Kiefer Sutherland played one of the best vampire roles ever, in my opinion. Uh, so go ahead and, uh, gentlemen, talk to us about The Lost Boys. What do you think, David? Okay. <laughs> Matt? David, that's you, buddy. We'll team you up, David. What do you got? Well, like Rob brought up, uh, it's really known for its soundtrack. It's one of those great 80s movies that the uh, soundtrack is what, you know, really makes the movie. It doesn't take away from the story, but the the music, the opening song is very memorable. Uh, my friend and I are always making fun of this, but it's a great opening song and play, you know, in around the movie and at the ending. But uh, I still believe, is that what, what it was? No, it goes Cry Little Sister, I believe was the name oh, of the yeah, song. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know the artist, but it's a great song. Gerard McMahon. Yes, sir. That's his name. That's who it was. That's, yeah. that's Guru Rob for you right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. The Encyclopedia of 80s Music. Yeah, and that's all. That's the only thing I know anything about. <laughs> also, the movie couldn't get any more 80s than starring both of the Corys. Yes. yes. Which, which, which I love their roles in this movie. It's like they're trying to expose vampires while was it was it Corey Haim's brother was turning into one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Patrick. Yeah. 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 Who, yeah two, who also two did a great job as Jim Morrison in that movie. He was kind of morphing into Jim Morrison and a vampire at the same time. Funny stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't I don't uh, remember anything about this soundtrack, honestly. I mean, if I was to hear it, I probably recognize a lot of the songs. But, yeah, you um, probably would. It, it was a sort of a, well, let's see, NXS was in it, like I mentioned, Lou Graham, Roger Daltrey was in it, um, Echo and the Bunnymen, nice prog rock band from the 80s, uh, Gerard McMahon we mentioned, uh, Tim Capello. Uh, the, the, a lot of these people you haven't heard, but the songs you have, and like David mentioned, they 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 fit seamlessly into the movie without distracting and taking away from it, which is what a good soundtrack should do. It should add to and enhance a movie instead of 
you know, being misplaced or whatever. It's like a lot of the songs were uh, made for the movie versus, you know, a lot of movies will have songs that they find and just plug in. So that yeah, was, that was good. Rob, it's actually funny, man, that you brought up uh, Jim Morrison, because I don't know if you remember the opening credits to Lost Boys. There's a cover of People Are Strange. Yes, there was. That's that's the Echo and the Bunny Man. Echo Bunny and the Bunny Man. Okay. That's which, that was, was. which was a great cover of that song. Yeah. Covers sometimes try to make them their own, but Echo and the Bunny Man did a great job at covering the doors, So, which is really hard to do. Um, very hard to do, especially for a rock purist. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll hear that and just go, you know what? That, that, that's, that's a good cover. So, all right. Anything else about lost boys you guys want to bring up? Yeah, I was, I was going to say you would, you would mention both Corey's and I absolutely love the movie because of both Corey's because they were around the age when I saw the movie mm-hmm. and they were comic book nerds and they were going on an adventure to try to kill vampires, which sounds like, something stupid that me and my friends at that age would have done also, you know, so I can, I can really relate to the movie in that aspect. And that was why I enjoyed it. And not only did it have Kiefer Sutherland, but it also had the future Bill S. Preston Esquire. That's true. Yes. Which is funny when I, when, when Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure came out, I went, Oh, he's from Lost Boys. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Great job. Yeah. And now everybody sees him and they say, oh, he's from Bill and Ted's. Didn't even realize he's from Lost Boys. I think Jamie Gertz was also in that movie. Oh, she was gorgeous. She's the queen of the 80s. She is. Yeah, she is one of those uh, Mount Rushmore 80 girls. Her her and Elizabeth Shue. In the the movies in the 80s were hot. I mean, it's just, you you can't name an ugly girl in the 80s, you know. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Boom. No. Ugly. Sorry. I'll, I'll take horse face. You know, I, I've always thought she was pretty. Oh, here we go. From square peg, no. she never had it. In, in uh, Footloose, nothing. No, no. Hmm. Now we absolutely cannot close out talking about Lost Boys without throwing in Death by Stereo. Death by Stereo. Yes. That was it. The the guy that the mom was dating. He the one that got it. Yes. That was great. Which he, we find out he's a head vampire. Crazy stuff. Death by stereo. I forgot about the that. Dad, he's the dad. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna have to we're have to go back and watch that one. So Matt, have you seen it? You're not giving a lot of input on it. Um, I'm doing a little research and studying on some other topics uh, right now, and just taking in all. I'm just taking in all your knowledge. This has been this is so exciting. Translation? No, he's not seen it. Yeah, see, it's been a long time though. <laughs> no, he doesn't know what we're talking about. That's that's what that means. Lost boys, lost boys. And my name is Randy. I was hurt by a truck. Again, it's available on almost any streaming service. So go check that out. I have the DVD. Um, I'm a I'm about due to watch that one again. So I'm gonna like a lot of watching to do this weekend because. Uh, Dude, October's almost over. You need to get these horror I movies know. in. I got the first th- Friday the 13th. I got to watch. go back and watch Poltergeist, I found out. I got to I gotta go back and watch um, The Lost Boys again. And I'm going to have to watch the first Nightmare on Elm Street again. So that's uh, those are ones I have to do for sure. Good lineup. Yeah, I've got, I, got, I, got, I got this weekend to plow through them because I probably won't be able to next. 
Okay, uh, that that uh, you know what that means. That oh, means we're we down to number one, number the one. big one. <laughs> Numero. Oh no. Number one. The Shining. Yes. That is an my number one personal favorite of all time. Is it really? Is nice. it, did you it vote is, for this one to be number one, David? I might have put in a couple of votes for it, one or two. <laughs> <laughs> Stacking the deck a little bit. Yeah, this yeah. is this is where uh like Jack Nicholson's performance in this movie was absolutely amazing. Like having seen him like in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I remember him in Easy Rider, but when he did this movie, I thought, man, and just as a young guy watching this, kind of got the same vibe. Uh, when Anthony Hopkins did Hannibal Lecter, like what an awesome bad guy, like what, like that to me, that takes some great acting chops. Maybe I'm wrong, but man, what do you guys think? I'm sure uh, Stanley Kubrick was probably thinking Jack Nicholson's got to do this. I can't think of anybody else. Oh yeah. So talk to us about the plot. Now I, I, I got to go back and remember a little bit here. Um, it is an old hotel, and 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 the Torrance family goes to um, watch over it, take care of it for the winter or something. It's the Overlook Hotel, and uh, they got a job. Jack Torrance is a author, and he's writing a book, and he got this job as a caretaker for the hotel during the winter months. When every, it's because the snows are so bad that none of the resort people can come. So, uh, and it's, they're basically marooned inside this hotel. Yes. And there's a, a poltergeistery supernatural taint to this place and a history of bloodshed. Hmm. And I, I think it does, isn't it also that it's built on an Indian burial ground, David? Was that the... Uh, no, more the storyline is... The little boy, his son, Danny, mm-hmm. he's got this supernatural-ish ability, like a psychic ability where he can... Called The Shining. The, it's yeah. called The Shining, right? Uh, basically have a conversation with his mind. And mm-hmm. then the, the cook, uh, forgot the character's name, after seeing the movie a hundred times, has the same power. And... Yeah. Was it the, Scatman Crothers? The, is that who it was? Scatman Crothers, right. Scatman Crothers, yeah. The entities in the uh, in the Overlook Hotel are feeding off of Danny's power, and that's what's giving them their ability, making them appear. So on the sideline, Jack Torrance is going crazy, stir crazy, just from isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there have been. Uh, now, on a personal note, uh, this was actually one of my first nightmares that I remember as a child. Um, I dreamt that I was actually being chased through a snow-covered hedge maze. Oh, and wow. someone was trying to kill me. That was my one of my very first memorable nightmares. So you can see how young I was when I saw it. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was about Danny's age, I think, in real life when I saw it for the first time. Um, I saw it on the big screen actually a couple of years ago, and that movie, after seeing it already hundreds of times, was just twenty times more terrifying on the big screen. Really? Yeah. 
Nice. Yeah, so, absolutely. Wasn't Shelly Duvall, wasn't she like... Uh, she was of, Mrs. Torrance. Yeah, but wasn't was she like olive oil? Or, yeah, she was olive yeah. oil. Yeah, <laughs> Popeye. <laughs> yes, there is an olive oil reference. Yeah, there. she was olive oil in Robin Williams' Popeye. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and yeah, rough. and apparently uh, during the filming of this, Kubrick uh, just psychologically tormented Shelly Duvall. Really? And, and made her do a scene over and over and over again until she actually passed out from exhaustion. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, there's cool. there's actually a lot of uh conspiracy theories about this movie. Uh they they believe that there is um that Stanley Kubrick because when Stanley Kubrick did this movie, this is the only one that Stephen King didn't like of his of any of his movies. Really? Um and that's because Stanley Kubrick went completely off script and didn't follow the book at all. Huh. Well that's cases. right, because they remade and it later. The, with the dude from um They made a TV two-part TV movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that was closer it. to the book. Really? Yeah, I, I watched it and I, I liked it, it, you know, because it did follow the book. Okay. Um but they say that the reason why Stan and Kubrick went off script is because he put a lot of inferences in the movie about how he actually filmed the moon landing and the moon landing was a hoax and he put clues in there. Okay. Um, you know, and that kind of and then there's a whole bunch of theories about like um, when Jack is when he's wearing the wet red sweater, it's actually in his mind, and when he's not wearing the wet red sweater, it's happening in reality. And I mean, there's a lot of people who have picked this movie to pieces. Oh wow! Yeah, huh. it's it's a whole subculture. Well, I have to add this from the list, Matt. You got a big list there, Rob. I got a big list. I got to start watching tonight. Instead of well, I tell you what, if you watch The Shining again, then you need to watch the sequel that actually just came out. Um, Doctor Sleep. That was an amazing movie. Doctor Sleep. With that. Fantastic film. They were so true to the original and really, really stayed true to it and did, did an awesome job. I don't know if you noticed, Jay, but Danny Lloyd, a.k.a. Danny Torrance, made a quick cameo in that movie. Did you notice? Uh, no, I didn't. When uh, the one little boy who had the shining power that that cult was after, uh, when they showed that little boy playing at his baseball game, uh, they go up into the rafters. It's like a quick shot. Like, if you didn't see him, then it was just like a quick second shot. He was like a dad sitting in the rafters, and then he says, he makes a line or says something about the kid and that's dead Lloyd. Nice. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. I know I, I love when they glance back and bring people in and things like yeah. that movies. Oh they do they do a lot of glancing back in Doctor Sleep. I mean they, they nice. kinda answered a lot of questions. Cool. Uh, it was really good. I never even heard of that. So that's cool. Yeah. I always cool. tell my mom that Danny Lloyd probably gave a back in because Jack Nicholson just terrified him that much. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> Is there is there any more popular meme than Jack Nicholson peeking through the door? I mean, that's it's got to be. I, don't, I, I would say that the Leonardo DiCaprio Django yeah, drink ha, holding up the, the the whiskey there is probably yeah. Started right now, pretty strong. Yeah. From what I believe, from from what I from what I think I remember is that uh, that here's Johnny line was completely ad libbed. Wow, that, really? that wasn't in the script. It is so crazy how ad-libbed lines that weren't even meant to be in a movie just become so popular and make that whole movie. Like right, Taxi yeah. Driver, that was all ad-libbed. Yeah, the I'm walking here scene. I'm walking. Yeah, that was urban. Yeah. 
Yeah, because he actually almost got hit by that car. That's why he said that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, I'm filming here. <laughs> yeah. All but, right. Uh, the Shining. The Shining was and is continues to be a fantastic film. I agree. It should be number one. Worthy of gotcha. number one. Yeah, Good stuff. I think. I think it's it's a pretty general consensus. I think I could be on board with that, based on you know years of watching these movies and hindsight and how how history, you know, how we look at the history of what we've watched, like playing back now, we see that and go, you know what? That makes sense. So good job. So that's our top 10. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to go back and look at some other ones that received votes. Uh, not spend a ton of time on them, but just kind of, you know, just a couple basic general thoughts on them. Uh, number 11 was Hellraiser. Um, I added that one, got a few votes there. Uh, just kind of really crazy, supernatural, telekinetic, crazy stuff there. And that to do with the like the like nails, pinhead, pinhead, yeah, that was crazy. You guys, any thoughts on Hellraiser? Classic Clive Barker. I mean, yeah. Clive Barker is probably one of the great horror masters, along with uh, Stephen King and John Carpenter. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, Children of the corn. Uh, it's very, it's very oh, supernatural. Very supernatural. Nice. Uh, next, Children of the Corn, added by Matt Moore. Good one. Good one. Uh, it just seems like an eight. Probably, uh, it's probably the King. only one he's seen. Hey, hey, hey! You know, I, I've seen just about every movie we talked about tonight. So I, I don't have to talk all the time, Jason. I like to listen. You know, I'm, I'm a nice guy. Like <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I'm just saying you admitted that you didn't have. <laughs> A dog in this hunt, so I was just kind of throwing it out there. But he but said that off air. Maybe that yeah. was the only <laughs> I'm just yeah. to listen. That's right. Okay. Um, Phantasm, which is actually from 1979. Um, I never saw this movie, but I've heard people talk fondly of it. Um, yep. The Slender Man and the Flying Orb of Death. That was a great movie. So th this next one is one I thought would probably get some more votes than it did. Uh, it was Halloween. Um, I know the first one came out, I believe, in 78, uh, but it had yeah. a whole series after it. Um, I always enjoyed the Halloween movies. Michael Myers always freaks my daughter out. Even to this day, he still creeps her out. And David sometimes will tag, tag her on a meme or something, and I'll laugh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great dad that way. Um, so she can't even listen to Mr. Sandman. Like she can't even hear that song without God, turn that off. But I'm like, but it's in back to the future too. No, I don't care. Rob, did, did you traumatize that poor girl with Michael Myers? Is that what happened? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't, but I, I did traumatize her mom with scream. Yeah. Yeah. So that maybe is what led to the, the divorce. I'm not real sure. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere Kim's listening to this oh, podcast man. and flipping off her speaker. Yeah. I'm just, you know. <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah, we're 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 cool like that. Um yeah, next. speaking of my my thoughts real quick on Halloween. Um yes, please. It's probably, it, it has to it has to be in the top three slashers. You've got Freddie, you've got Jason, you've got Michael. Oh, you know, agreed. all go hand in hand. The problem I have with Halloween is it is a fantastic concept of a slasher, but uh -huh. It was a horrible execution of a movie. Mm. You know, I, I think Mike Myers could have been so much more. Yeah. And I think they could have done so much more with him. And I think that's probably why I like the Rob Zombie remake a lot better because I think it they was really humanized him in a Rob Zombie's movie. Yeah. 
Man, I, I wouldn't have to see. Maybe that, that yeah. might bump up the number one of the movies that I need to see. Because, yeah, because you guys have referenced that a couple times. I'm going to have to to check it out. Um, Stay away I'm... from Rob Zombie's second remake, Rob. Don't watch that one. Just the first one. <laughs> first one. <perfect. laughs> now, now, didn't he do Texas Chainsaw Massacre or two? Yeah. Did he remake no. that one? Yeah, no, that he was, didn't that actually. Was... That was... Uh... Was it? The gentleman's name was Marcus Nispel. He's a German director, and that's he did the Friday the Thirteenth remake. Also, David, uh, that's right. Like, like that's I'm right. going to take my hat off to you right now. The fact you know this stuff is like me talking about Duran Duran B sides. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a horror. I'm a horror geek. Just, you just made my I'm heart happy, brother. <laughs> I'm a horror geek, man. <laughs> yeah, good. and I'm um, I'm a I'm a movie nerd, so I'm. You know what? I couldn't. I couldn't think of two better guys to join us today. So that's for sure. Fantastic. So okay, the next you, you one should do. Got... You should do an episode about action movies of the '80s and have me and David. Oh no, wait a minute. It uh, was. It was so much more fun having Randy on there because if you guys know Randy, he's like he's always talking, always chatter, 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 chatter. We were talking about action movies. He had nothing. So me sitting across the table from him doing the podcast was hilarious because he's. <laughs> Uh, I got nothing. Good. Mm. That's awesome. <laughs> Love you, Randy. I know you're listening. Get my truck. <laughs> I'm trying to buy a truck. Um, the next one, David, you nominated this one, was The Evil Dead. Bruce Campbell. Yes. Bruce Campbell. Absolutely. Bruce Campbell's a god. <laughs> He's, I, I have had a crush on Bruce Campbell since I was nine years old. So. You can have him. I got Keanu, I got Keanu Reeves. <laughs> What'd you say, Matt? I said it's not that kind of a podcast, but okay, well, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about it. No, okay. Well, we so, about, I was talking about my crush on Elizabeth Shue, so he can bring up this dude. Yeah, it's okay. okay. It's yeah. Cool. So, all right, I got a couple of Bruce Campbell stories. Uh, first one is, when I was a little kid, uh, I had three cousins. We were The four of us were like a year apart from each other, so we were like four amigos. They lived up in North Kent. When they came down to visit, my mom's house didn't wasn't big enough to hold everybody, so we would get split off, and we'd either go to one of my aunts or the other's aunt's house. My one aunt had a VCR and a whole bunch of bootleg movies from HBO, so we would watch Commando and Terminator and the Police Academy movies and everything. Well, my other aunt, who didn't even have a VCR, got wind of this, so she went out and bought a VCR so that she could entice us to come over and stay at her house. But she didn't have any movies. So she would just let us go at Videotown. There wasn't even a blockbuster then. And we would get Faces of Death and you know, Blood Diner and you know, all and we came across Evil Dead. And that's when I saw it for the first time and absolutely fell in love with the Evil Dead series. And so that's that's my first story about horror movies and how I got into them. Second story about Bruce Campbell is I actually went to my first Comic Con and Bruce Campbell was there. And nice. I, I got to meet him and get my picture taken with him. And I bought, um, I paid $50 for the photo and $50 for his autograph and $20 for a poster that I wanted him to sign. Right. And the whole weekend, my wife just gave me crap because she was like, I can't believe you spent $120 and a hundred, you know, you spent $120 on this. And I finally just had to turn around and look at her and said, this is Bruce Campbell. You're going to lose. Okay. So just yeah. stop, right. stop saying it. You can't argue Bruce Campbell. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, I, uh, I I love the Evil Dead series. One of my top favorites. Cool. 
Uh, it, next, re- it really put Sam Raimi on the map, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, I mean, nobody nobody really knew who Sam Raimi was until Spider-Man. I know who Ron yeah. Raimi is. He's yeah, got a brother named Rob. Rob Good guys. Good guys. <laughs> uh, wow. Next, we've got Silver Bullet. That's another Stephen King, correct? Stephen King work, yeah. Based on a novella, just like a like a short story, but great story. Cool. Aliens. Oh, one of was... one of that. I'm surprised that wasn't in the top five. Honestly, yeah. that movie. Oh, I was. Do you I was too. That a horror film, though. Oh yeah. It was a, it was a sci-fi horror film, which was a, a complete genre bending, you know, movie. They'd never done any kind of. I mean, you had Star Wars, so the sci-fi the sci-fi itch was there, but to have a, a horror movie, and the entire the, the the genius thing about Alien was the world building around it, mm-hmm. and and what's then you felt like you were actually in the future, like this was a plausible future. And it was just, it was incredible. Sets were incredible. The special effects were amazing. And the... The design of the xenomorphs, too. Oh, yeah. The H.R. Geiger design that they that they used for the xenomorphs is incredible. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think, to, to me, I think people may not have voted this one up so much because of the whole sci-fi element. And I think, I think when they're thinking their memories are going back to more um edgy yeah the slasher the slasher stuff yeah i think that's kind of because when we were looking i forget what the topic was um uh, it was summertime songs people were putting songs like boys of summer which is about the fall so right you know i think (laughs) think people just kind of they get they find a formula and think okay this fits that formula so i'll vote for it uh let's see next cujo another stephen king um Dog with rabies. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Ticked off big. That's right. Big old Saint Bernard. Saint Bernard. Yeah, not old Yeller. No. Yeah, not old yeah it was a it was a, a mom and a son trapped in a what was it a gremlin? Fort yeah. Pinto. Yeah. They could A Pinto. Yeah, and they couldn't get out of the car because this rabbit dog was terrorizing. I mean, that was again we'll chalk that up to stephen king trying to make the mundane scary and yes, i just yeah. it, and it, it worked did for me it, it works uh creep show remember creep show remember there's a my, my favorite line was thanks for the ride lady yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. 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 yeah thanks for the ride lady thanks for the ride <laughs> great that uh, that was that was one of the like it was um like a compendium like a, a compilation of a bunch of short yeah, stories yeah short stories short stories yes. yeah and I don't know. Trash bag. I don't know when it came out, but I remember. Um, Cat's Eye. Seven, eighty-six, eighty-seven. No, 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 I'm I'm talking about the movie Cat's Eye. It was a Stephen oh. King compilation of stories. Oh. Huh? An anthology movie, yeah. Yeah, Cat's Eye was another good one like that, but I I don't I don't know what Cat's year it was. Fantastic. Yeah. Right. If only you had a producer, Rob, who could look it up. All yeah. right. If this... only if only had somebody besides you that cared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jason, it never gets old. <laughs> Jason's like, yeah, it does. Quick. No, no, not at all. Because I can give it as good as I can take it. So Yes, you can. And I, I take my hat off to you for that, sir. So yeah, my, my producer tells me that Cat's Eye came out in nineteen eighty five. So there you go. Um eighty five. All right. Well good. I was right in that wheelhouse. You were. 
Uh, the Thing. That's another one. Got got a couple of votes. John Carpenter, the master. Yeah. April Fool's Day. One of those beef. We've seen that one. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Uh, way way back when. Maximum Overdrive. There's a good one. Stephen King again. It's like I said earlier to you guys. Like you were either watching Jason, Freddy, or a Stephen King movie. Right. Yeah. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Pumpkinhead. Great. Great movie. Fantastic effects. Fantastic. Yeah. Great effects. special effects. Was it really? I remember. I remember seeing this thing. How stupid it was. I didn't see it. I yeah. Was it? Was it? Was it really I, good? I don't remember being good. The concept, yeah, stupid, but it's it's got some good creep. The creature is pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the unholy. This was a good one. If you guys want to get freaked out, supernatural, demon, evil, spirit, omen, exorcist kind of thing, this is a good one. This will keep you up at night, guaranteed. Oh so hmm. the unholy, look it up. Uh, I can't Joel- say I've seen that one. Joel McLaughlin's favorite movie, Chopping Mall. Chopping <laughs> Mall, yeah. I was just, I was so surprised. That's why I laughed at that one, Chopping Mall. Like, yeah. I didn't think anybody, like, hardly knows about that movie. But it's, for being a campy popcorn flick, it was, it's pretty good. It's <laughs> one of those well, stupid you'd have to but entertaining, like Sharknado. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Hey, hey, Matt. <laughs> Matt and Sharknado are like he's their number one fan. Everyone, if you're gonna compare Chopping Mall to Sharknado, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, no, Ch- Chopping Mall was like the Jim Cotta of horror movies. Okay, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh goodness, oh, uh, awesome. Puppet Master. I don't remember this one. It's uh, funny. I, I remember at least something about every single one of these movies. Not Puppet Master. Puppet Master is the same dumb idea that something innocuous becomes scary. You know, it's little little actually mannequins or marionettes come to life and they're being used by this guy to kill people. You know, it, it's about as scary as Chucky. I was getting ready to say, is it like child's play? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the Fog. I remember The Fog. Another the- John Carpenter essential classic. It was mysterious, that's for sure. Was and, it? Uh, was it the? Did they remake that, or was that the Mist? They did remake uh, the Fog, which was pretty decent remake for what they did. They changed the story around a little bit, but it was still pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. had uh, had Thomas Jane in it. Oh yeah, Thomas Jane was in the Mist. Separate yeah. The mist. But, That's the one I was thinking of. Mist, yeah. fog, tomato, tomato. <laughs> yeah. Right. Some no. kind of condensation is where we're at. <laughs> right. Wow. Right. One of the Wonder Twins out of control. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> what's uh, every time I watch The Fog now? What's so scary about that movie? Still is if you're and if you're watching it, you know, for the first time, you don't know what's in the fog. Right. Like you're. You really have no escape, and whatever's creeping through the fog can easily find you, and you don't know where to go. Sure. And um, it turns out there are these zombie guys that had a boat. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Is it like zombie pirates? Zombie pirates, basically. Yeah, like Fine. like like Pirates of the Caribbean, but not But in the fog. It's camping. <laughs> yeah. 
And now uh, Jenny Depp. <laughs> yeah. But I had Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, nice. Huh. A uh, couple more left. Got The Howling. I vaguely remember The Howling. Um, Another thing to bring up, actually, I can throw in The Howling in this argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80s horror movies had like a big burst of werewolf. American Werewolf in London, Silver Bullet. Yeah. Howling, I believe, ranks with those fantastic effects. It didn't have quite the awesome transformation scene like American Werewolf in London, but fantastic, great, uh, pretty scary. I think you and I had a discussion about it between that and American Werewolf in London when we were on the 80s page, kind of bouncing back and forth about the effects in one was better than the other, but the story in the other one was better than the than the first. And, and it had and, some pretty good performances, mostly from everybody's 80s mom, Dee Wallace. <laughs> mm. She was like the mom in every 80s movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like like she can never get in any other type of roles. Like, no, you're you're kind of a mom. So you're gonna play a mom. You're gonna be the mom of this kid and that that kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um Blood Diner. Jason, you voted for this one. Uh here's another one I've never heard of. Tell us not a lot why of people have Blood Diner's great. Yes. Uh so Blood Diner is basically about these uh Two kids whose uncle undercooked undercooked steak at a New Jersey diner. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no. These uh, these two kids watch their uncle get gunned down by the police because he's part of a cult to bring a demon back to Earth, and um, he gets gunned down in front of them in their in their front yard. And his last words were basically, you know, bring her back or whatever. So they grow up and they open up a diner. And one thing leads to another, and they're not making a lot of money, and they end up killing somebody and then using their body parts on the menu. Oh, and it turns out that the food was actually really good. It's a cannibalistic diner, but nobody knows it. So they're killing people to not only make food, because they're actually really popular now, because everybody loves their food, oh, yeah. but they make a body for this female demon that they're trying to bring to life. Huh. In honor of their uncle. Wow. Which kind of reminds me. Yeah. This, this, this is a hard B uh, movie, you know, as far as, you know, a horror movie. It is, it is like, it's not as bad as I, I love you to death, but it's, it's pretty bad. I actually have a, uh, a VHS copy of the movie. Wow. That's, That's awesome. Um, Talk about which, nostalgia. It kind of yeah. reminds me of uh, from your from your description of a movie that did not get any votes that I thought was kind of creepy was Motel Hell. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Motel Hell from elementary school, and that made yes. it pretty. Good. Farmer Vincent's old style sausage was actually people. Yeah, like, nice. he would he would kill these people, cut their throats out, put their bodies in the ground, and keep them alive by new, you know by feeding them. And then when the time was right, he would butcher them, and they were sausage. So. To quote Charlton Heston, it's Peebo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. and, and then uh, another one here, uh, got two more left. One is Witchboard. So this is another, uh, it seemed a lot creepier at the time, 
Um, Tawny Katane, fresh off her White Snake video uh, success, got a starring role in this movie about a Ouija board and a group of people that this demon possesses. So, a little crazy movie. Um, To me, I look back, it's nostalgic. And it's got Tawny Katane. And, you know, she's in... She's in, like, nightgowns a lot and stuff, so she looks a lot like she did in the video. That same kind of clothes, so. Definitely and some it, selling points. Yes. That's, that's, if you like Tony Katane and Ouija boards, it's a movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one we have here is uh, Kevin Ackley suggested, I Spit on Your Grave. Again. That is an absolutely brutal movie. It's very tough to watch, but it's it's good for a slasher flick. I guess you can yeah. call it the slash. And uh, they made it. They, it was a. Uh, or am I thinking of that? They, I think they remade "I Spit on Your Grave" also. Yeah, both of those are really good remakes. Um, I never saw the originals. And so, there, which brings up a couple more I want to bring up. These are straight up B movies. I love B movies. Um, Eat and Run. This this overweight guy is is actually a a man eating alien, and mm. he, he runs and chases people down and eats them. Oh. Nineteen eighty seven. So yes, uh, you you may or may not want to check that one out. It's very bad. <laughs> and then the the award for the best movie of any horror film ever. Is the sorority babes at the slime ball bolorama? There it is. <laughs> there it is. Now we're talking. That's a movie not, right not, there. Not to be not to be confused with Slumber Party Massacre, right? That's... Not to be confused at all. This all takes place at at the uh, slime ball bolorama. Yes. Um, that. Uh, if you can't get behind that around Halloween time, then yeah, I, there's I even... there's no hope for you. <laughs> That came out in 1988, and I tell you what, into the early 90s, uh, Kevin and I and uh, my ex-wife and his wife would get together, and we'd go over to Video Pursuit, which is the video store over by our house, and we would rent just the dumbest movies we could find. Like, we'd watch a good movie, yeah. you know, and then we'd watch something like Sorority Babes or Eat and Run or something like that. Just bad, bad, bad. But, you know, a lot of people get killed. They're horror yeah. movies, technically, oh, yeah. so... There you go. Nice. I'll have to add that one to my list. Well, looking at IMDb here, um, the uh, sorority babes had a budget of (laughs) $90,000. How much did it gross? Uh, I am looking for that right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 91,000. They just broke even. Uh, It doesn't say what it grossed. So I'm going to say it grossed zero. (laughs) <laughs> I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, that is a uh, – if you're looking for those cult classics, uh, people would watch movies back in those days just to see um, – just to, you know, just to see how bad they could be. So, yeah, I, I can't find anything on here on, on how much it grows, but, yeah, 90000 was the budget. Wow, that's awesome. So, yeah. But um so that that is our extensive list of of 80s movies. I'm sure we may have missed one, but if we did, it wasn't very good and it ranks with Eat and Run and some of these others. Um gentlemen, I want to thank you 
uh, for coming and hanging out and talking 80s horror. You really made this uh, podcast worthwhile because me and Matt would be just uh, our conversation about 80s horror would go off into who's hotter, uh, Elizabeth <laughs> Schuer, Jamie Gertz. We would have spent an hour on that. So thank you both. Yeah. Um, fantastic, guys. So, uh, guys, that is it for our show. Uh, thank you so much. We'll be back next week with another hot, fresh episode. Until then, thank you and uh, stay fresh. People are strange when we're strange. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. The streets are under. When you're down, when you're strange, faces come out of the rain. When you're strange, no one remembers your name. When you're strange, when you're strange, when you're strange. Now I was going to say that movie probably had the creepiest werewolf transformation scene in werewolf uh, horror films, <laughs> yes. I think. Werewolf transformation It's awesome. Scene. It's awesome. Yeah. You, you could almost feel how painful it was. Ha, 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 ha,